if Turkey was a poor country, right. that couldn't afford the rent, couldn't afford this or that, then who is paying for all these cars? Right. Who is paying for all these luxury products? Right. Every other day, a new restaurant opens along the Bosphorus. Right. And when you walk into these restaurants, sure. two people with maybe a bottle of wine and a nice meal, you are shedding in excess of a thousand lira. These restaurants, not only on the weekends, but weekdays too, they're jam-packed full. Right. So if there was no money in this country, who are those people spending? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Straight Talk. In this one, we are at our Istanbul office with Cameron Degen. As always. Cameron, welcome to another beautiful episode of Straight Talk. Um, we're going to take, I, I, I want you to talk to me about the rental yields in Istanbul briefly and how to maximize that. But I really and truly want to spend the most time on how you can, how could you protect your rental income in an economy, the currency of which is depreciating. Uh, right. in, in other words, you keep in, in a country where subjects, you have, don't you? yeah, in a, in you a country keep where you picking have your subjects. high inflation. You keep you, you you love talking about the lira and well, the I mean, depreciation of the lira. Well, that's what it's like salt to injury, really. The reason why I'm talking about the lira is that it is, in, in my opinion, because I'm an insider. We, we both live in Turkey. We both see, you know, the cars, people driving on the street, the restaurants, the people out there, the, the, the products that they're producing, the country as it is. That, but from from an outside perspective, when you look at Turkish lira, it, it, it seems like Panic the country stations. is getting yeah poorer and poorer. If you if you, yeah. if you were a potential investor, whether you'd be a real estate investor or any other, if you you know. If you looked at an outside investor and if you looked at the Turkish lira kind of going down and down against US dollar and other hard currencies, you'd be like, hey, you know, panic stations. Right. Why would I want to invest in a country whose currency keeps depreciating year on year? Right. And then you switch on to YouTube and you see these two characters yeah. sitting down and talking right. about how great the real estate climate here is, right. how fantastic an investment you could possibly make in Istanbul and other parts of Turkey. Right. And then you probably are saying to yourself, what are these guys talking about? How? Right. Look at the currency and listen to these guys. Right. The, 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 the two things do not seem to match. Right. Well, we've got news for you. They actually do. Right. Anyway, <laughs> that rhymed. Did you notice that? Well, well, you're getting better at this, Cameron. Okay, listen. So, this episode right. aims to address the queries and possibly concerns right. of would-be buy-to-let investors Correct. in Turkish real estate, predominantly Istanbul, Correct. which is something like 70% of our business now in Turkey. Right. So let's let's focus on Istanbul as mm. um, I'd say rightfully so as the, as the main buy to let destination Correct. of Turkey except some kind of uh, Mediterranean summer destinations where you have a lot of summer buy to lets that's a different dynamic. Let's talk about Istanbul residential buy to let segment. Cameron likes to um, 
create pointers. Yes, three I do. Three-point criteria, three-point strategy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your three-point <laughs> strategy for a good rental yield in Istanbul? In other words, how, how can one maximize his or her rental yield in Istanbul? Okay. Rental yield being the annual rent you generate as a ratio to the purchase price, what it costs right. you to buy the property. Um, that's called rental yield, rental return. Um, in Istanbul, average rental return is between 4 to 5%. Right. In fact, it's about, it averages at around 4.5%. Right. Which, in fact, um, for a lot of our investors, is nothing to write home about. Right. 4.5% rental yield is, compared to China, it's very high because apparently in, 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 in major cities in China, people would be happy to get 2%. So compared to China, it's very high. But compared to central London, it is very high also. Compared, to, compared, to, central, compared to central London, it's on the high side. Right. However, there are some destinations in the world, people keep reciting Dubai example, where you can indeed average 7 8% rental yields. So compared to some, 4.5% may not necessarily be the most promising rental return. Right. However, as I always say, if you are an investor coming into Istanbul, and if you're looking at an overall return from your real estate investment, mm -hmm. um, you should structure your investments in such a way that over, say, the next five years, your capital growth definitely is going to be a champion, not the rental return. Right. You will get 5%, you know, if you're lucky, 5%, 6% per annum rental yield. I actually have a great but data you can, to back But you can do much up. better on the capital growth. Shall I give you the data now or shall I keep it for Well, later? let me give my, answer your question. Into I, I, I wanted to reiterate. Right. Why? Because, let's face it, the average rental return, rental yield in Istanbul isn't really anything to excite um, SRV investor. Correct. However, when they look at the full picture, the big picture, and they realize that, and I always look at five-year horizons, as you know, that year zero to year five, when you cash out your property, when you sell your property, your real gain isn't going to be the rent you earn, but hopefully is going to be the capital growth that you will cash, right. the value growth, then the picture is very, very different. However, in this episode, we're not looking at capital growth. Right. We're focusing on maximizing rental return. Correct. So how do we maximize rental return in a very, very basic scenario? Right. We're not talking about bank foreclosures. We're not talking about forced depressed sales where you're buying significantly at an undervalued price. And let's face it, for foreign investors to access those for sale scenarios is very difficult. Well, it's difficult for us too. It's very difficult for Turks too, but Turks who follow the markets and who've got right. all their networks spread out with all the leading right. banks, they get tipped off. Right. Since a lot of foreign investors are nowhere there in terms of the level of intelligence Correct. that they have in the market, 
plus the protocol of foreign ownership takes a little bit longer than mm -hmm. Turkish ownership, it's rather difficult for them to access those depressed sales scenarios. Correct. Okay? So, let's look at, you know, properties that are purchased at market value or maybe slightly below market value with good negotiations, which I have to say we as a company pride ourselves in doing. Right. Okay, so let's look at that scenario. How do you maximize your rental returns on such residential property? I'd say three things are very important. Number one, if you're coming to Istanbul, focus on central Istanbul. Yeah. Central Istanbul. Okay, We're not, I'm not going to define here what I classify as central Istanbul, but it's a pretty large zone. Yeah. Partially on the Asian side, partially on the European side, central Istanbul. Number two, go for low entry level properties. Now, this is something I repeat all the time because it's not just information I pull out of thin air. It's information that I can personally validate over the previous 10, 15 years you invest from in my yourself. own investments. Yeah. Low entry level. Right. When I say low entry level, what do I mean? I mean affordable but luxury. Yeah. Affordable luxury central Istanbul. Urban regeneration zones and similar areas. In other words, if you're focusing on your rental return, please do not go for high-end properties. Do not go for these all singing, all dancing, high-rise residential properties with concierge, valet parking, spa, press that button, it takes you to the moon and back. No. Because those properties are, when you look at the price, those properties come... Are more commodities than investment. Well, they, 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 they come at an inflated price. Not inflated to you as the potential buyer, inflated to everybody. So they're not inflating them for the foreign buyers. No. If I'm buying it, it's inflated to me too. Inflated meaning compared to affordable luxury, right next door, it comes at an inflated price because it offers all these j jingles and bells. Now, don't go for those because the price you pay and the rent you get on those, when you look at the ratio, you will fall below 4%. You will fall below 4% in the first three years or so. Year four, year five and onwards, that 4% will go up because you're looking at the rental re rent, rent you receive compared to your historic purchase cost. Obviously, your historic purchase cost is frozen in time as what you paid. But the rent you receive, as we're going to cover a little bit later, every year you can revise it in line with inflation. Right. Okay, so the rate will go up. However, in the first three to four years, you are likely to fall below 4% in the high-end property segment. Please say that there are exceptions. Because there are exceptions. Yeah, I'm sure there are exceptions. Yeah. But we're looking at, you know, we're looking at the market yeah, as sure, a whole. Sure. So that was the second because, one. Because so. I, I don't want anyone to take away here, oh, but I was in touch with one of your consultants and that person has offered me this type of a property. Yeah, but that's an exception. I don't, that's an exception. Yeah. And the reality is, I'll be very honest, it's a rare exception. Very few. It's not an exception you'll see here, there, and there, and here. It's a yeah. rare exception. Right. Okay? So, now, um, number one we said... 
city center, Istanbul city center. Number two, we said affordable, affordable luxury. luxury, low entry level as a segment. Number three, in your rental contract, make sure you have the inflationary increase close. It's a close that you add to a rental contract. If you don't have it, then you may not be able to raise the rent that the property charges, that you charge to your tenant. But if you have that close in your contract, it's within your right as a landlord to annually increase the rent you receive to catch up with the inflation, the rate of inflation. Right. Okay. That's it's called there's a there's a very strange name for it. Tefe to fair. Tefe to fair. This tefe to fair is a measure, is a percentage by which up to which you can increase your the rent you charge and it is designed in such a way to bring you in line with inflation in Turkey. Right. So it's like a projected inflation rate for the year. And it is announced at the beginning of the year for the year. Right. That's what it is. So if you include that within your contract, the tefe to fake close, then at the end of each year, you can increase your rent by that amount. 8%, 10%. 12%, whatever that amount is. I'm not too sure what it is today, but I think it's around 12% right, right. now. Right. So that will help you catch up with inflation. So the rental income you receive over years doesn't fall short of the market rate. Right. Very important. So these are the three points that, you know, like spur of the moment come to my mind. How can I protect my rental income in an economy where you have high inflation, where, where the currency is depreciating, certainly if my tenant today is able to afford 5,000 tele okay. to pay rent, a year from now, this guy's salary is not going to triple so that he can pay 10,000, right? Right. How do I find tenants to continue paying me XYZ amount, the market rate, so that I can keep my, you know, percentage rental yield as high as possible. Now, would you like the answer to this or shall I continue? All right, look, <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to say about all this. Right. Uh, first of all, first of all, yes, it's a fact of Turkish economy as we covered in numerous episodes that Turkish lira depreciates. But when, as a foreign investor, if you are appraising and evaluating investing in Turkish real estate with a Western developed economy outlook right. and the dynamics that apply to, say, you know, um, the more developed parts of US, UK, Germany, etc., if you use the same rationale that you would do when you're analyzing inflation, currency, interest rates, etc. If you apply the same rationale to Turkey, you will fail miserably. It's not going to work. It's never going to work because the dynamics in Turkey, including the demographics, the social factors, the cultural factors, and also the macroeconomics in general, are very, very different to UK, US, Germany, France, etc. So you have to 
appraise and evaluate Turkey within the sphere of its own dynamics. Now, I'll ask you a question, Cameron Degen. Okay. How come? It defies logic. How come? It defies it logic. It defies logic. You work for... <laughs> listen, this is straight talk. You're, you're the owner of property, Turkey. You're sitting here. Of course, you have vested interests. Of course, you're biased. Of course, you're going to say, you know, good things about Turkey and everything. Please explain to us in, 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 in a picture where it makes absolute sense, where everyone can understand this how? situation. How it, how? how it happens. How? Okay, look. The main reason, in my opinion, and this is purely my opinion, right. not from an expert economist viewpoint, the main reason that affects the dynamics we are talking about, the rent, central Istanbul property values, is the demographics of Istanbul. Is the fact that Istanbul has a very, very young population. Right. Very young population. Do you remember two years or three years ago when, um, what's his name, was running up against Erdogan for the presidential elections? Muharrem Ince. Right. He, one of his slogans was, the average age in Istanbul is 27. Not in Turkey. The average age is 27. The number he kept on quoting was 27. 27. You're talking about Imamoğlu? No. Who ran for Istanbul? No, no, no. Presidential? No, Muharrem Ince. Uh, okay. He's, one of his leading slogans was 27. Okay. But he was saying that the average age of Turkish population is 27. Very I would young. say to you, in Istanbul, the average age may even be slightly younger. Right. If it was 27 three years ago, the average age probably now is 27, 28 in Istanbul. Now, right. if you look at the average age in London, the average age in, I don't know, Sydney, in Paris, you will, um, I haven't checked, but please go and check, you'll find that the average age is much, much higher Correct. than Istanbul. Correct. What does that tell you? That tells you that wherever you have a young, upwardly mobile population, and Turks are very upwardly mobile because of where Turkey is economically, you know, they don't come from a position of comfort so that for the past generation or two, they had a fairly comfortable lifestyle, so they are now the heirs to the comfortable lifestyle zone, which means that in their DNA, they don't have that struggle, struggle, struggle viewpoint. No, quite the opposite. In Turkey, it's in their DNA to get better and better and better. Right. Because, you know, it's only now, lately, in the last 10, 15 years, that the Turks are getting into the zone of comfort financially. Right. Prior to that, Turkey was, in fact, a poor country. Right. It isn't anymore. Right. So these young populations they are constantly increasing their earnings potential. Of course. Despite inflation, despite Turkish currency, despite rain or snow, these people are pushing themselves constantly to earn more, to develop themselves, and to increase their earnings potential. Right. And in my opinion, it's that dynamic that not only preserves, but uplifts the property market, whether it is the rental or the capital side of it, tremendously, despite the apparent negativity of 
the currency and the inflation. Correct. I think you'll find out if you were to do a fully blown macroeconomic analysis that it would boil down to the demographics of Turkey. I 100% Besides, agree. of course, the Turkish economy, the exports are going up, Turkish lira coming down, makes us more competitive in the export markets. Correct. As such, as you know, I always say that Turkish lira isn't just coming down because it is. You know what my opinion on this. I think it's coming down by design. Right. I think Turkish lira is somehow weakened on purpose. Now, to compete China, many people would disagree yeah. with me on this, but when I look at the speeches, the announcements made by the government, when I look at what seems to be triggering the downing of the Turkish lira, I can't help thinking that it's done on purpose. Of course. Why? To make Turkey more competitive. Because, obviously... You know, th th they are probably of the opinion that there's still a way to go for Turkey to embed itself at its right com competitive edge level. Correct. Until the day that Turkey has brands such as BMW, Mercedes, Porsche, etc., that Apple are sp specific, Pro. or Apple, Apple or Google, Google which are Pro. specification brands. Right. People will go and pay the premiums for them. Right. If you drove in the streets of Istanbul, you'd find that the average age of a car on the streets would be probably 10 plus years, the average age. Right. Today, you'd be hard pushed to find a 10-year-old car on the streets of Istanbul. Right. They're all new. Right. There are more expensive cars on the road today than Ever before, and these expensive ever cars are before. not just in Istanbul and they're the, everywhere. The high income areas of Istanbul. Yes. you go to my village in Izmir. You, you're gonna see, look. I was seeing Porsche. People are driving Porsche. Do you in realize my how many? In the, you know you the new that? the new Porsche. What is it? The new electric Porsche. Tycon. Tycon or whatever. Right. When did, when did it come like, out? It only came out in the last twelve months, right? Right. Everybody's driving the streets that are full of them. And that's not a cheap car. Yeah, yeah, that's that, so that's a car today will worth like will cost around two million Turkish lira. Two million Turkish lira, which is Who's more expensive than ninety percent of one bedroom apartments we sell. Even two bedroom apartments we sell in central Istanbul. Right. So let me ask you then: If Turkey was a poor country, right, that couldn't afford the rent, couldn't afford this or that, then who is paying for all these cars? Right. Who's paying for all these luxury products? Right. Every other day, a new restaurant opens along the Bosphorus. Right. And when you walk into these restaurants, sure. two people with maybe a bottle of wine and a nice meal, you are shedding in excess of a thousand lira. These restaurants, not only on the weekends, but weekdays too, they're jam-packed full. Right. So if there was no money in this country, who are those people spending? Right. So... The economics of Turkey that, that, are by the a way, mystery. That was such a data-driven <laughs> analytical answer. That I you mean, got. look, mate, this is not a data-driven chart. This is just observation. Right. This is just observation. Right. No, no, I, 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 I mean, look, I agree. With I you there. look. I lived in the UK most of my life. Right. And I lived through two what we call recessions in the UK. Right. And I'm gonna. What I'm gonna tell now, I think you will understand two recessions and 
in those times, the first one was kind of mid-90s, and, and, and the second one was the sub-lending crisis 2007 and eight, right. 2008, kind of 10, 12 years apart. Proper recessions, where houses were being repossessed, um, people were losing their jobs. I used to travel in the underground, because I, where I lived and where I worked in those times were quite, quite a fair distance. So in London, you know, everyone uses the metro, the underground. Right. I'll tell you something, Aladdin. During those recessions, you would see people crying, people having tantrums and fits in the underground because they either lost their jobs or their wives or husbands lost their jobs or they their houses got repossessed. You could, you could almost smell the tension in people right. in those days. 2018. We had a 45% devaluation in the Turkish currency. In, in, Did in you sense any stress hours, in the streets? Yeah. No. People were still at the restaurants. They were still laughing and joking. They still had the same mentality. So this is either that Turkish people are very, very, what's the word, oblivious to whatever happens to them, or that they have a completely different outlook to life. Look, the, the correct answer to what you're saying is that they have a completely different outlook to life itself. Because right now, as we speak, the, the $1 is over 10 Turkish liras, okay? And if we go with that logic of Turkey is becoming poorer and poorer, then, then, then we'll be mistaken. Then, then 20 years ago, the dollar was what? Uh, 1.2, 1.3? And... and you, you drive on that street 20 years ago, you wouldn't see none of these buildings. Yes. You wouldn't see none of these restaurants. Yeah, you wouldn't see saying. none of these big companies manufacturing the, the economy, yeah. the industry, the, the third bridge, the Istanbul International Hub Airport. Um, you, you're talking about the uh, the, the pipeline, the, the exploration campaigns in the Eastern Mediterranean, the Black Sea, and all of that. Well, certainly you need money for all of that, right? So, so it's you know what this is? It's consumer behavior. That's what it comes down to. Because a car is not a commodity for Turks. It's an investment. In the UK, I have 20,000 pounds in my pocket. Let me buy myself a Porsche. You can do that. In Turkey, if you're buying a, a Renault or Peugeot car, you regard that stuff as, as investment. Yeah. And, and you it's try an interesting to dynamic again. Of Pro course. Prices of motor vehicles. Uh, th th this is probably the only country in the world, or one of the only countries, whereby, the only country. whereby you buy a car today, you drive it for 18 months. You sell it more than what you You sell it at a price higher than the price you paid for it in US dollar terms. Right. Not in Turkish lira terms. Right. It defies logic. But this is it what it is. It doesn't defy well, logic because that's an investment. Okay. Well, let, let me, let me give investment. you another thing. And let me, let me say you another thing. Rental. Rentals are at an all-time high in Istanbul now, aren't they? In, since March all -time 2021. All-time high. All -time high. Uh, look. You know my place is in um, Queen Bomonti. Right. I rent both of them. Right. Okay. The rent that I get for them, the figure I get for my one-bedroom apartments there, I could not possibly even imagine in my wildest dreams two years ago. Right. The amount. Why? Because they've gone up. They've gone up. Everything has gone up. Let me tell you something. Two months ago, right. A relative of mine 
was looking for a place in Nishantashi right. to buy and rent, to buy and rent. We weren't looking at expensive, expensive properties, but we were looking at properties that are, you know, tasty enough, qual good quality enough, but on the sort of affordable side. Yeah. But in Nishantashi. And for those of you who don't, who are not familiar with Nishantashi, Nishantashi is like the Mayfair of London. It's like, is is like the Fifth Avenue of or, or New York. It's one of the most expensive postcodes in Istanbul right. in entire Turkey. Okay, Aladdin, let me tell you my experience. We find a place, we call, we go and see it. We start negotiating. By the time we think we're negotiating, it gets sold. Right. That happened not once, not twice, not three times, more than that during our search. Yeah. And I was like, who are buying these properties? No, but Cameron, that's simple. You're talking the rent, the rent. <laughs> yeah. The rental prices commanded by the landlords, again in Nishantashi, for similar range properties. I was laughing. And I'd be like, you must, pay you, you, must, you must be dreaming. Who's going to pay this rent for this property? Two days later, Boom. sorry, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is demand and there is an upside. Yes. In the right segment, there is phenomenal demand and upside despite the inflation Despite the interest rates yes. and despite the currency. Because, man, you're talking about Istanbul being the heart of Turkey and you're talking about being a heart of a country of 85 million people. Yeah. And when you look at the percentage of the young population living in Turkey, you're pretty much looking at the young population of Italy and France combined. And these people all want to move to Istanbul. Yeah. And Istanbul is one of world's, I think the world's fifth most visited, visited city. And it is receiving upwards of 20 million visitors every single year yeah. and you, you're now talking about the international demand the, the foreigners coming into the country there and and there has been a continuous demand for the city for the past 4000 years so what i'm telling you is there is only one bosphorus in the world there is only one istanbul in the world and there is only one central istanbul no matter the the, the, the rent if it's 3xing today and 5xing tomorrow there will be people renting those places yeah. as a, as as a middle income person i have no chance in renting myself a spacious 2 3 bedroom apartment in central istanbul today if i'm making 60 70 thousand pounds per year that's impossible in central istanbul yet in uh, sorry in central, in central london. london but today in central istanbul that is still possible but istanbul is getting there yeah. look five six years from now yeah for a middle income person to live in the central istanbul in a spacious two three bedroom property will be a dream okay i agree with five you. six maybe ten years from now no no, no it won't take ten yeah. years i i, I actually yeah. think i actually think uh, again my opinion I actually think we have five years, and I think five years, time machine us, five years from today, I think Istanbul's real estate market, particularly central Istanbul, would have reached that level that we will start comparing it to London, New York, and places yes. like that in terms of who can afford to live, affordability, yes. etc. Right now, it's not there, and that's the opportunity. No one can afford it. Yeah three-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. Uh, oh, well, unless, a, unless middle, they're very well to do. I'm talking about middle income, yeah. middle class yeah. people. They're not going to afford that. Uh, but Istanbul, they still can. They still can. And, and I that's think the that, that, yeah. that, that, that 
tells you why you should at this at least for the time being disregard the depreciation the inflation yeah. and all of that of course study that but of course do not dumb down istanbul real estate dynamics to only you know oh the the, the currency is on free fall True. oh the currency is this and currency look is at the realities right. of the market right and a with that and, and you will see the realities and in fact even for most of our investors right. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, right. even for the most skeptical ones right. who um, are not familiar with Istanbul, but who kind of observe the macroeconomic indices like the interest rates, the inflation, etc., and who are quite skeptical, when they do come and spend some time here, their mind changes because they observe what's really going on on the street. Right. And once they realize what's really going on, they then realize that all those things that, you know, the rationale that they used before right. may not necessarily be in line with the truth here. Yeah. Uh, that's the experience, yeah. Cameron Degen, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. For joining. Thanks for your expertise. Guys, thank you very much for watching. If you want to reach out to us with this WhatsApp number, you can reach out to us. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. I'll also give this video a like and leave your comments down below if you have any questions. As you can see, we can bring it onto this table and discuss. Thank you very much and see you in the next one. Thank you.